This is a Dauntless Media Collective podcast. Visit dauntless.fm for more content. Have you seen the Amazon Prime docuseries, Shiny Happy People? Were you shocked to hear the wholesome American Duggar family was involved in a cult? A cult full of abuse, sex, and religious trauma? A cult that claimed to educate children and planned to use them to take over the world. Have you wished you could sit down with an IBLP survivor and hear more of the story? Join hosts Jessica Goforth and Alexis Gray on Leaving the Village, a podcast by IBLP survivors centering their lived experiences and shining a light on all the hidden torment and harm they endured growing up in the cult shown on the groundbreaking docuseries. We have exclusive interviews with cast members where we laugh and cry and go behind the scenes with them as we discuss our shared experiences. If watching the documentary left you wanting more, check out Leaving the Village on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on your favorite podcast platform. All right. Okay. Welcome to the Thereafter Podcast, a place where we explore life on the other side of faith change. We're here to break down the binaries, deconstruct the dualities, and wander through what it looks like to live in the gray. In church, we were told that life after leaving would be a bitter wasteland of unfulfilling hedonism, but we've discovered quite the opposite. There's actually a vibrant community of people on the other side of faith who are finding and co-creating space for hope and healing. Come along as we explore the all too often uncharted expanse of evangelicalism, evolving faith, and the life thereafter. Hey. Hi. It's been a bit. It's been a minute. We've been on summer vacation-ish. What I think or people whatever we've been doing. may or may not realize, maybe people know this, maybe it's not a secret, but when we we record an episode, when we're on break like this and we're kind of recording these random episodes, it's because we just want to hang out and see each other. It's not, it, you know, yeah. it's not like we have a ton of great content. That, I mean, we have content, but it's not like, oh, we're burning to get this out into the world. We're just like, hey, let's hang out on Monday night. Let's record an episode. Yes. Which is great, which is about what I have the bandwidth for currently. And it takes the pressure off because I feel there there is pressure when we're in a season to make sure that we have like a top tier guest and we have like something that's well thought out and we have, you know, and not to say that this is like half assed, but it's it is. It is it's just us hanging out. So this is what you're story. getting when you're in when you're in the in-between and hopefully uh our plan is that going into season four uh we're gonna have some well planned out episodes and some incredible guests we already have some people lined up yeah we already have Uh, what are you talking about we hope to we have we have we've got stuff in the works (laughs) yeah i don't want to oversell it though megan i just i want to i want to undersell over deliver uh, under promise over deliver that's always that's always the goal okay there you go anyway um but we do have some things to talk about I can't wait. Let's let's do it. Um, I'm not sure what we should call Twitbits now that Twitter has just become the X, the void of X. Xbits. What? <laughs> Come on. Did, did you? I, I know you. You've been kind of slowly um, g- 
getting yourself off of social media, but do you, did you have that icon just update on your phone to change from the bird to the X? I did. I did. I still had the Twitter app on my phone and it auto updated, went to the X and I immediately deleted it. <laughs> oh man, it is. I, I hadn't been really getting on and using it, but it's, it's wild to watch someone just destroy one of the most valuable brands like in the world, like in the history of branding, like Twitter, like literally all these other Twitter apps that were out, people were like, they're tweets. Like mm -hmm. we, like we were calling these tweets because it's such a branded word. Yep. You get on and a microblog is a tweet, whether you're doing it on Twitter or not. So like they, they were the Kleenex, mm -hmm. right? They were the, What's the other, what are, what are other things that are like this? They were the Jello, right? They were, they were the brand of microblogs, right? Yeah. Like every, if you were microblogging, you were tweeting. And to just take that brand that is so desirable and honestly was a miracle that it, that out of the early 2000s web boom that was all these startups that, that, that came out, that Twitter got the adoption that they did and were being used widely by journalists and celebrities and, and to destroy that in a matter of months. It is wild. Seemingly intentionally. It, yeah, it, he's really tanking it. I Have you seen the um, video footage of the, the light that he installed at the headquarters? Yeah. Yeah, it's down now. I heard that that it got taken down. Oh, good. But, yes, his even the, his big flashing apps. Yeah, and and I even had to I I had to undo the retweets that I did of sharing it because I learned I did not realize this, but I learned that even the video images of the strobe light caused seizures and migraines and aura for folks that um, are photosensitive. And so I, I mean, once I saw that, I was like, oh, shoot, I had shared some of that, too. And I know I get some of that aura, that kind of light induced migraine kind of stuff um, in a different way. And that's why I wear blue light glasses full time now. But it's just I, I, I can't believe like even just those simple things. It's like he just doesn't care. Like he just really doesn't care. Almost the inverse. It's like every possible thing he can do to to. It's it's not even just not caring. It's 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 like caring about doing the wrong thing. <laughs> it's almost almost intentionally awful in in all of these moves. Um, but yeah, I'm I. Who knows? I heard they were changing. There's so much misinformation too about what's going on, and everything is easy to believe because of how ludicrous uh things have been but like uh they were changing the tweet button it's no longer gonna say tweet it's gonna say post or whatever it's like we're gonna make it generic now we're gonna take the tweet branding away it's it's wild it is um, weird to change anyway. something that nobody's complained about you know <laughs> um, yeah yeah but anyway so going back so about a week ago there was something that i wanted to talk about a little bit um there was some dialogue about a pastor that publicly declared that he had become affirming and queer affirming. So, you know, and, and that's this is something that we've been talking about on the podcast a lot. And so one of the things that kind of changed or shifted this dialogue is that um, there was another tweet from if you're familiar with V. 
I, I don't know how they're the La Bianca um, is how you say it, yeah. I think. Yes. Yes, I believe so. And they just pointed out that in the comments, as people were saying, hey, how did you come to this conclusion? This pastor said I had been in community with queer folks for more than nine years. And V was just basically saying, hey, nine years is a very long time. And and so then that's kind of launched another dialogue about um, how critical can we be when somebody becomes affirming? Can't we just, you know, show they're human in process, they're growing? Like, can't we just kind of embrace it? And there was nuance to it. And, and it sparked a lot of different directions. And I just kind of wanted to bring it up and, and have a little bit of a discussion on it because also folks probably saw um, somebody really lashed out in a super biphobic, queerphobic way at me when I was involved in the discussion. And, and it was just so wild to see how how defensive people get and how certain people are about their stances on this. And so I'm just curious if you have any initial thoughts. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I replied to that tweet and I was like, you're being silly. The one... <laughs> and it, it, yeah, well, I, I, I don't know what it was. It was like, you're really starting to piss me off. And I was like, uh, uh, I don't I don't remember his name. I'm going to call him Tony because Tony <laughs> gives mad divorced man energy. Uh, sorry if your name's Tony. It's just that's that's what I get. So I was like, Tony, go touch grass. You're being silly. I think his name was it, Chris, it, but you're good. You okay. can call him Tony. Yeah, whatever. Uh, it, I just... um. Here's here's the thing is is I feel like when people tend to 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 come from like I'm just asking questions, you're policing my ability to to have discussion, you're silencing my uh uh you know, whatever whatever this this idea that I'm just out here asking questions, man. Well, and I'm, just, I'm just out here uh, uh, dialoguing. It feels always like you just don't want to think about what you're saying. Like you don't want to be challenged to actually think about about what 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 your words mean and what what you say, how what you say impacts people, um, because it it matters yeah. like the words that you say when you're putting stuff out there it it, it impacts people and it's going to impact people and you can't just be like oh, I'm just I'm just spitballing here man and that's like, what mm. that that Chris I I his name was Chris that's what that Chris did is is because what what Chris did was he shared V's post and was like hey everyone what do y'all think of this and at that point I was tired I was literally tired I was I I you know I I'm in a new job I'm doing a lot of presentations sometimes I lose sleep at night I was physically actually tired and I just saw that tweet and it made me tired, more tired because I was like, you know what? Can can straight dudes just stop publicly debating queer folks? Like, can we just stop this? Like, I just was tired, you know? And so I said something along those lines like, hey, is this really the way? And he's like, yeah, it is the way. It's Twitter. And as the dialogue continued, he was like, well, excuse me, like, who are you? You've been queer for, what, a year, and you're married, and you're bi? And, I mean, it was just like, holy shit, wow. And and he was trying to say, like, I can be in this conversation because I've had dialogue about LGBTQIA people for, like, 10 years. And I'm like, I don't care. That doesn't <laughs> excuse you from your ability to cause harm, you know? And so it just it, – it it's so interesting because I feel like that's how it goes with Twitter. That how That's how it goes with social media where the way that you have dialogue is by listening 
instead of trying to ensure that your point is taken as like that you get a point for your point <laughs> before you go on. And so what what escalates things is when people double down and cause harm in the process. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, I don't I. I'm trying to put myself in this person's shoes, and I know and I know that I'm like disjointed in what I'm saying here. But like, what is the purpose of saying, of of continuing this conversation in the way that this guy and others did, right? To challenge, like, hey, is this you know? I can see both sides, right? I and mean, that was kind of the whole idea, right? I can see both sides of this. Uh, why? Like, to what end? What is the, what are you, you know, I'm just trying to ask questions. I'm trying to have dialogue. To what end? Mm -hmm. Right? What is the, what is, you have an objective, I'm assuming. You can't just say that you don't have an objective. Because if you say that you don't have an objective in what you're saying, why are you saying it? Yeah. I, I, I think that you just haven't thought about what your objective is. Maybe you haven't been very critical about thinking about what asking this question may say, what it might promote, what type of conversation it might lead to. Like when you use words out loud, whether on the internet or in person or in conversation, like your, your words have an objective. You have a point to what you're trying to say, even when you're asking questions. Well, and I think Do especially, you feel like, go ahead. Well, when you're asking questions that have already been responded to, it's like, because I think my issue, and I didn't articulate this because I got tired. What, what happened was I unfollowed the guy and he got so offended that that's when he was making those other comments. And so I was like, I'm just going to block you. Like, this is ridiculous. I don't have to follow you. I, you know, we've had that conversation. But I think that this was like a day later and all of the comments had been made. All of the different sides of it had been discussed in V's, under V's, you know, tweet. And and people had expressed their thoughts and, and feelings. And it to me, and, and again, I didn't articulate this to that guy, but to me it felt like he was saying, hey, the queer opinion isn't enough for me. I kind of want to hear more opinions, you know? And it was just like, Okay, dude, like, yeah. clearly, I know what you're doing here. You just want more people that kind of feel the way can validate the way you probably feel. That's I mean, that's kind of how it felt to me. And, and that whole thing is just a side discussion on the original discussion of like, how much grace do we give people that take 10 years to change, you know? Yeah, which I don't think is a question that has an answer. Like there isn't like a like a, a ruler that we get out and we go, okay, there's an, a formula, an equation, like how you know many queer friends do you have and how many months was there a leap year involved? I don't think that there is a, a, an answer. Like we're talking about a intangible thing that is the way that, that somebody's work uh, specifically, I think in this case, I don't know who this pastor was, but the way this person's public work has impacted communities of people, the the harm that may have been caused, the benefit that is going to come from a change in perspective or in sta public stance. I mean, there there's a ton of factors there, but like at the end of the day, there isn't a like 
particular equation that we're trying to reach here to say like this is what makes this like 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 I don't even understand really the idea of what grace what 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 grace are we supposed to give somebody for nine years of bad belief. I don't, I don't, I don't know what are, what grace is he even looking for? I don't, when I, think, I don't know that he was looking. I, for yeah. I don't even think he was necessarily, I but I think it just spurred on that discussion because it feels like there's, I'm, I'm, can I be candid? <laughs> we're, be we're, candid? We're on a podcast. I'm saying things, you know, like just say things. I haven't thought about this at all until we hit record. So uh, <laughs> go for it. Well, it just feels like there's this new wave of, I'm just going to say it, of straight cis white male pastors that are switching over to becoming affirming and you know, kind of making that their brand and building platforms on that and writing books on that and getting a lot of accolades for that. And it just, I, I it, you know, and I think there's some a nuanced discussion to be had here because I've talked privately to queer folks about it. And it's like, it's not problematic that these pastors are affirming. It's great. But it feels like just go be affirming. Just go love queer people the way queer people should be loved because it's the right thing to do, not because you're getting celebrated on the other side of things for it. You know, and sure, you're, you're you know, you're getting you're getting um, hate for it, too. I get that. And and a lot of people have lost their jobs for, you know, that making a stance um, for allyship. But I just I feel like we're we're drifting into this territory where people have platforms over queer affirmation and it becomes more about the platform than it does become about loving queer people or even including queer people in the conversation. And so it's this weird territory of like, in some cases, straight white cis men are the only people that other, you know, evangelicals that are kind of trying to figure this out are going to listen to. But that makes me tired, too, because, <laughs> like, what are the resources people offer when somebody wants to know? It's it's either books written by white dudes that are straight or books that are written by side B folks that, um, you know. And so it's just like I, I just get tired that it's like queer people end up not even being invited to the table to have these conversations sometimes or not even listened to when they are at the table. It's like, oh, you know, don't like we, we've heard what you have to say. Now I'm just going to talk. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. That's my bet. That's my rant. That's my candid rant. Yeah. I mean, I, th I, I think I followed a, a, a thing that happened on TikTok this last week with a white cishet male creator who, uh, there was some controversy around a video that he made and he had been making, uh, basically like feminist media and a lot of, uh, feminist creators, women creators, uh, uh, pushed back and we're like, this is, this is awful. And then he apologized, but his apology was terrible. And then some other white cis men creators hopped into the conversation and started talking about the issue. And, um, if you want to look it up, I think it was Robbie Harvey as the TikToker. Um, and there were several other different creators on TikTok. TikTok uh, drama discourse is, is 
a, a, a rabbit hole. Oh, so you can yeah, go on I mean, there I tried just, to go over it, there that, for like five minutes and it was not my That favorite. app is made for that sort of discourse. But there, there, there is a few uh, creators who I saw on there who were, who were saying some interesting things about like, like, like any, any man creating feminist content, like, like does not just get trust. Hmm. Like is not should not just be given trust by women, like like there is good reason. Just like any white creator talking about anti racism, like yep. you can use your privilege to try to influence. Right, me as a white cis man can use my privilege to try to talk to other white cis men um, and make change, but. I don't just get like given that like, oh, I'm on the good side. No, I'm, I am a part of the patriarchy, right? Like I am a part of the problem. And so I feel like there is this idea that's like, oh, well, once I'm on the right side, it's this binary, right? Then you don't get to critique my straightness my maleness my whiteness uh you don't get to critique uh uh aspects of my heteronormativity you don't get to critique even though those are all things that i still have and give a lot of people very good reason to hold me suspect no matter what yeah no matter no matter how good i am how perfect i am the reality is I am still going to misspeak, do things that might cause harm. I, I am coming from a perspective that is that that should not be leading the conversation in feminist spaces, even as a queer person in queer spaces because of a lot of things that are a reality about my lived experience right um and i'm i'm going to maybe upset some folks but like the fact that i exist in a heteronormative marriage does impact the way that i can speak to queer issues right i i get to share health insurance with my spouse i get i i got to before 2014 i'm not at risk of losing that benefit because of something that gets overturned in the supreme court there are there are aspects of my life and privileges that i hold as being in a heteronormative marriage that prevent me from being able to speak at the same capacity as somebody in a different situation even somebody who is also queer right me as a cis person I don't get to speak about trans issues and and concerns to the trans community in the same way that those who have that lived experience can. And I feel like there is this idea among creators that it's like, oh, as long as I'm ideologically aligned mm -hmm. with the queer community, with leftist ideals with feminist ideology oh i'm idealist i'm I ideologically aligned so you can't critique me anymore i don't get to be under the microscope anymore that's just not true 
Well, it's and just not how the world works. Even as you're, I mean, even in that original post that we were talking about where V had said like, hey, it took this guy nine years. There were a lot of queer folks that were like, hey, I'll take it. You know, and so it's like, like it, I think it goes back to that when when we're talking about communities that have experienced harm, people, groups of people are not a monolith, right? And so like, yes. it's, it's so wild because I know, I know even in the conversation that I was in with that guy who was pushing back on me, I was like, hey, I recognize my social location here. Like I know who, like I'm not going to try to speak for and over other queer folks. But I'm also going to say how I feel when I see that, when I see you kind of just sharing and saying, like, let's have some more public dialogue about how we feel that queer folks should feel about this, you know? And so it's like, I, I do think that um, there's all of that in there. But I, I um, yeah, I don't know. I, it was it was an interesting, it made me think, that's all. All of that stuff just makes me think. And, and back to feminism unless you want to stay in this i i kind of want to talk about the barbie movie but <laughs> let's talk about it did you go with zeke did you go with your uh yeah son? zeke zeke and his friend jordan uh and i went and we had a blast we had to sit front row because we saw it opening night and i didn't think ahead and buy tickets so we bought tickets the day of nice. uh and the only three seats were on the front row and i went in with no expectation and i loved it i i thought it was it was funny it was witty it was fantastic uh we really enjoyed it we all all the three of us left the theater talking and laughing and quoting parts of it back um i thought it was really well done and i think that there's i've i've watched creators and read a lot of people talking about it there's so many layers to it there's so much that's happening um i watched some interesting stuff on the theology uh like different theological implications of different things in in the barbie movie which was which was cool uh political uh, uh subtext that was going on um various you know issues of feminism uh there's a lot to it i, th I thought it was really well done i probably not perfect nothing ever is going to be there's probably some fair critique of the film um but i i enjoyed it thoroughly i i thought it was hilarious yeah it was what good what did you think i liked it i loved watching it with my daughters and um my my two girls with the three of us went to see it together and and it made me think and i i had to tweet a little bit about this because there's so many there's like this critique out there that like it's just um this like anti-man kind of thing and it just i i was like this is about patriarchy and i think that people that think when you critique patriarchy that you're just critiquing men are people that equate patriarchy with men and that's that's the problem that we have <laughs> that people think that if you're a man you get to be part of patriarchy like i just think th and that was the helpful kind of um way that I was able to talk to my kids about it because some of it, to be honest, I'm sure just went over some kids' heads because it's like a very social statement about about patriarchy and feminism and everything else. And um and I think um yeah, it was it was just a good like spark for discussion for our family, you know? At first I thought it was about horses. <laughs> <laughs> that was the part. <laughs> And then it's about men and men with horses. <laughs> what? What? Okay. What did you think of Ryan Gosling as a blonde? Be honest. 
I love Ryan Every Gosling. Every iteration of I, Ryan Gosling. I love, I love Ryan Gosling. Which, which, like, I feel like there is this, this, uh, there's kind of a cultural phenomenon of like straight men being like, yeah, Ryan Reynolds is really like the primary example of this of straight men being like, I'm straight, but Ryan Reynolds, right? And I think the Goss kind of is the, in the same category. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, I, 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 I loved, I loved the way that Ryan Gosling played that character. Uh, and I thought he looked wonderful. If that was the question. Yeah. No, I think it's great. <laughs> it kind of made me want to just get a dream house with all my girlfriends and just, you know, have Barbie night every night. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> that's the message we're supposed to take away from the movie, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. That's that's this is Barbie's dream house. OK, not Ken's. Oh, man. But Casa, yeah, it was good. What did, what did you call it? casa house <laughs> something yeah it was yeah anyway yeah we'd be we'd be curious to hear your thoughts send us a message let us know what you think um what email us at hosts at thereafterpod.com yeah yeah or you can join the discord tell us in there tag us in there uh i'm gonna try i uh, say this every week but i would try to be more active in there uh, I haven't been, but uh, as I'm moving away from other social media, that's probably where I'll, I'll hang out more often than not. Um, so yeah, Discord's a good place to do it or send us an email. So I... I have one other There was question. something else we were going to talk about. I have, I have yeah, a question go for it. in my pocket. I mean, not oh, literally, cool. just in my Take mental pocket. <laughs> Take it out of the mental pocket. Well, I know, okay. A long time ago, we recorded an episode about cancel culture that we never released because we were like, mm -hmm. I think somebody told me. We're like, this one's going to get us yeah. canceled. <laughs> somebody said, <laughs> when you start talking about cancel culture, you're kind of asking to be canceled. But um, lately, I've been mulling over a question that's not a whole episode-worthy question. But all of this kind of discourse and discussion and people pushing back on one side or the other side has kind of had me wondering about, is there room for critique without canceling, right? And so as you're talking about, like, like part of, of showing up and allyship and being in spaces, you, you get uncomfortable. You, you fuck up. You do things wrong. And you have people kind of call you in, call you out. And I, I mean, I, and I think this is partly, like, it, for folks that um, – don't know, like just probably an hour before we started recording, I know um, a friend of the pod, Celeste, pro posted a blog post about um, Julie Royce that was really well-researched and just so um, profound about the impact that the harmful impact that Julie has on the queer community. And it's like, Julie Royce does a lot of work to expose abuse in the church, but then also at the same time, like she she's very transphobic and she has um, done some things that have been really harmful. And I know that in Celeste's case, she tried to reach out to Julie and give her kind of a chance to repair, to amend. And, and Julie was not going to have that. And so I think it's just an interesting, cause I think so many of us are so quick to be like, I am done with X, Y, Z, no matter what it is. 
And I think, um, you know, we, we have these conversations and I, I just, I guess that's been my question that I've been mulling over, like in, in, you know, and of course everybody has their deal breakers and uh, rightfully so. But I think at some point there's like, where do you critique and where do you cancel? And I don't think we're going to find that formula, but I'm just curious to have that conversation, like start that conversation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think. I said it earlier in this episode and it's been like my mantra lately is like to what end, right? Like to what, what, what is the objective? Um, because I, I think that there's lots of different, uh, ways in which people engage with content, engage with media, engage with creators, uh, engage with institutions, uh, and academia and, I think that that everyone is going to have a different uh, objective for how they want to engage um, and what the impact of that engagement, what what they want that to be. And so so, for instance, like I, I think about like I know a creator who does a lot around disability uh and accessibility and he has said like i will not repost i will not retweet i will not promote content that is not accessible if there's not alt text if it's not accessible to a certain given point i won't engage with it even if it's good content because for him like that is his like primary objective when using these platforms is to promote accessibility and awareness around disability and and that means that he is going to not engage with he is going to maybe cancel personally or have certain resources certain creators certain things that are not a option for him uh and there are going to be others who may have other objectives so so maybe it is if there is an affiliation with a media outlet or an organization hey you wrote a piece for x media outlet that i believe is harmful in this way xyz i will not promote creators who put out content through you know you were on joe rogan's podcast you're done You've enabled this thing that I think is harmful and I'm not going to engage with your content. The, the, the reality is there's enough people creating content that you don't have to, like there doesn't have to be one in group and one out group. There doesn't have to be uh, uh, one set of, of people who are saying all the right things. Uh, and it is okay for somebody to say that, hey, for me, uh, Who's the creator that that we get shit on a lot here, um, but a lot of people love her. She's a vulnerability lady. Brene. She did the TED talk. Brene, right? There's some people that are like, they're not. I'm not going to engage with her content. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Like there are some people who are going to say anybody who heavily promotes her content, I'm not going to engage with. That's fine. Like like if that is, I think we need to think about. Like what is the objective of how we're engaging with content and how we're engaging with creators? Because there is not a creator that is going, there's not a, 
a creator, an academic, a, a, a podcaster, a talking head, a voice in a movement, an activist that is going to necessarily fit every piece of criteria for every single different objective on the internet. Yeah, and I think it's, it's so interesting because I think um, people, again, want binaries so badly. So then when it comes to somebody like Brene Brown, it's like, like I, I read a couple of her books and they were super meaningful to me. And we've talked about her on the podcast in like a really meaningful way. But yet we've had um, people of color say, hey, her work kind of feels like white. It, it, it's like um, this this whole piece of empowerment for white people that are making them feel more empowered, you know, and it, it like there and there's just this whole piece of it that has another perspective that it's like, oh, like let's hold all of that. Let's hold the tension of all of that. And does that mean if somebody's promoting her work, we, we, you know, and, and we kind of have this nuance about it that we're like, no, you know, and it's just, I think that's people just want binaries. They want to put people in these good and bad categories. And it's like, do we have to do that? Can we just, but yet I say that. I don't but, think we can do that. But then somebody like Andrew Tate, it's like bad. <laughs> like, like, we, I mean, it's like there's no nuance there. He's just bad like that. And that's the thing. Like, I, you know, what would the what would the redeeming argument be for 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 promoting somebody like Andrew Tate? Like if there was well, there's a, an interview a, going around with him right now that people are like, we want to hear his side of the story. And it's like, fuck that. Right. Like. <laughs> Yeah, I'd, I'd like to, again, to what end, right? right? Is it just we want to hear every side of every story? Like, you're going to be on the internet for a while. Like, <laughs> like, like, is that it? Is that really your objective? Is you want to hear every side of every story? Or is there a reason that you would want to hear that? Because if somebody could give me a reason, I don't know what their reason might be. If If somebody could actually give me a reason, I may not agree with it, but I would respect that they had thought about this is why I am uh, uh, platforming or promoting or or listening to this content uh, or or I have an okay uh, lenience for it. I don't think that there is a reason. Yeah, that guy can go work a job like it or if he stays out of prison or whatever he does. <laughs> right. But he can shut the fuck up and never talk to anybody again. And the world will be okay. Um, and he, I, I don't want him to die. I would like to see him become healthy and, you know, be a, a, a whole person for sure. I, I, I'm not out here uh, uh, personally trying to uh, punitively harm anyone. I just, just shut the fuck up and go away. <laughs> yeah. Don't talk to anybody ever again <laughs> publicly. Uh, that, I'm okay with that. And, and he can still thrive as an individual human being and hopefully heal from whatever the fuck has hurt him so badly. Um, but I think that there, there has to be a conversation about like, what, what is, what is our objective behind if we're calling someone in, we oftentimes talk about the reason that we call people in is because we see value in that person, right? Like I'm, Hey, I'm asking that you consider this, the impact of your words here or what you did or to make this right, because I believe in what you're trying to do and want to see you do that in a more thoughtful, full, holistic way that considers the impacts of 
racism and systemic oppression and colonialism and uh, ableism and et cetera, et cetera, whatever it might be, right? If there is not a reason to call somebody in, I'm okay saying that person just needs to shut the fuck up. In my in my opinion. Well, yeah, and I think I mean, I think there's a couple things, and I and I think um, you know someday maybe we will have an episode. But I think it's it's really also about what does canceling mean? Because Andrew Tate can go on and be human, and and still is going to be alive and exist. Um, will he have the same platform? Hopefully not. And, you know, and so it's like, is does canceling mean they don't have, they're not like famous or a celebrity or, a, you know, whatever. And so I think that's a piece of it. And then I think that's the other piece. Like I've been reflective because there have been times where I have tweeted something out and it has caused a change. So I know, I mean, we've talked about, um, I shared uh, just that, Joe Lumen had addressed a, a book on Instagram stories. And I said, hey, go check out the Instagram stories um, that address this book that was um, really like appropriation published by a white author. And by the end of that day, the book was pulled by the publisher. And then like another time there was an event um, that John Orberg was speaking at. And, you know, I had shared some information about that and, and John Orberg got pulled from the event. So Clearly, like there are times where you can say something publicly and there will be change. Now, was John Orberg canceled? No, not necessarily. It was just pull, he was pulled from an event about um, having queer relationships with your family when he's disowned his transgender son. So, I mean, I like and so it just it, there's that question. But I've also been reflective of looking at people like Celeste who have caution about how they publicly talk about something in the sense that she took those steps to try to allow Julie the opportunity to make repair before she published that blog post. And I, I have a lot of respect for that, you know? Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, even if Julie would have made repair enough with Celeste for Celeste to feel good about that call in, there may be other people who see all of that and still don't feel like it's enough yep yep and still feel and that's like valid yep and it's valid right like i don't think it's like oh well she was called even if everything was perfect and she was called in and she was like oh i had no idea and she made things right and she came to accountability like there is still it is still okay to be like nah i'm you don't owe anyone no one owes anyone and i i've had to face this myself i've i've been blocked by people i've i've been like like cut out of people i've we've had people hey i'm not going to listen to you anymore i'm not going to to you know support your patreon anymore like th that's everyone's right to not listen to somebody or to not feel like hey you made it like you you made recompense enough with me that 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 is not a guarantee and i think that's an important piece because i do think that when people have a shift in relationship in the way they view someone um there are people out there that feel like they're owed an explanation <laughs> and that's just not the case like sometimes people set boundaries around their social media feed around their um what they listen to what they consume every the media that they engage with 
and that's super valid for that person. People have boundaries. That's great. And and nobody owes anyone some level of explanation on, hey, what you know, what happened here? It's like, yeah, sure, maybe you can have a healthy, productive um, conversation about it. But those conversations take risk, especially when somebody was harmed. And not everyone has the ability to take that risk or has the mental health um, are in that spot where they can take that risk to, to open that door, to have that conversation. And that's super valid. Yeah. And it's just, it is, it is okay to like, like not want to engage with somebody's content Yeah, or somebody's work. Like, like there is enough other stuff out there. Like I, like I, <laughs> I, 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 I know I have, you know, friends who are black folks who are like, I don't want to hear what white people have to say. Valid. Yep. Like that's, a, that's valid. I have queer friends who are like, I don't want to hear what a straight guy has to say ever about anything. Valid. I think that's okay. I really do. Yeah. And that's, I mean, honestly, that original pastor that we were talking about in the beginning, um, he had a tweet that I'll give him credit for because um, as people were pushing back on his affirming stance, one of their pushbacks was, um, see, queer folks don't accept you either. And he was like, no, people are hurting and they've been harmed and they're healing and I hold space for that. And so it's like in the midst of that whole mess of like, you know, this is where he's at. He's also starting to recognize like, I'm speaking into a space with a lot of pain and, and I can, I can handle that and I can kind of navigate that with that in mind. And so, you know, that, like, I think that piece of just knowing it's okay to have people that don't like you and there's reasons for that and that's okay. And you don't need to know them. Great. Yeah. And, and, and there are, there are people who I know who like, won't listen to a pastor. You're still pastor. You're still, I'm not gonna listen to you. That's fine. You don't have to. Like you do not, you do not have, you do not have to, if you are a woman that doesn't want to listen to a man, you don't have to. Like we, we need to stop this idea that like, oh no, I'm one of the good pastors. I'm one of the good men. I'm one of the good straights. I'm one of the good cis people. No, (laughs) like, like, like the, the people oppressed by systemic uh, institutions that we are a part of in various different ways, do not owe us the benefit of the doubt. And there are plenty of queer, non-white women who are doing the work that white cis men don't need to be listened to. Now, is there still a market and is there still somebody who are only going to listen to a white cis man? Sure. Can you make change? in that demographic of people, a hundred percent. So, so this pastor, if he's not accepted by a single queer person, that would be fine. Is there still something worthy for him to be doing in promoting an affirming theology? A hundred percent. Yeah. Go out and do it. You get a huge market of people that probably still want to listen to you. Nobody owes you an applause, a pat on the back and acceptance. Nobody. Yeah. Fair. Well, again, these conversations are messy. And even in the conversation, we probably got some stuff wrong. And I'm okay with that because I I actually like I, I want to 
I do try to get it right, and I do feel like I we have a lot of listeners that reach out when you know they have questions. Um, but I also know that I'm not perfect either, and so um, yeah, I'm I'm curious again. I am certain curious that I have said things incorrectly in this <laughs> in this episode. One hundred percent certain. Okay, before and very open to hearing about it. <laughs> yes, absolutely, both of us. Before we wrap, um, I just want to say, can I t- can I say something I'm excited about? Yes. Um, okay. So I, I, I'm going to be kind of vague on purpose because Ooh, it's in the works. Vague. You know, but not everybody knows. But um, I'm going to pretend like I don't know, though. We have – there. We, we, we did that PDX meetup um, last summer, and we have been wanting to do something ever since. And I started having an idea. I've talked to a couple people about it. I talked to you about it. I talked to some other folks. And um, I'm not going to give the details, but I will say President's Day weekend, 2024, we have something in the works. And when I say in the works, I say I had like a topic and a theme. And I thought of like 20 people that I knew that speak and, and address and research this topic and theme that I reached out to thinking like maybe four or five people would be on board for this. And I think every single one wrote back and was like, I'm in. And I am so fucking excited. And so put it on your calendar. You will start to see details soon. It is in the works and it will be in Portland. Um, and I'm I'm just, I'm pumped to see how it evolves and develops. And um, yeah, I just wanted to say that. I'm really excited too. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So President's Day weekend, mark your calendars. Plan to be in the Portland area because it's going to be worth your time to be there. I'm, yep. I'm stoked. All right. Where can people find you, Cortland, and the podcast? You can't really find me right now. <laughs> uh, I, like, you can like, go, I'm go still... through me to find Cortland. <laughs> yeah, I'm still everywhere. Um, so I have, I have profiles on all the places, Cortland coffee, uh, but I'm not checking them. I'm not uh, paying attention. I probably won't be posting, uh, very much to them. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to get a lot more focused on running the day after pod stuff. So I'll probably run the day after pod Instagram more effectively than I ever have before. Um, and, uh, thereafter podcast, uh, in the various places, uh, Twitter. I don't know if we're on threads yet, but hoping to be soon. Um, and uh, the Patreon uh, is, is a great place to connect with us. So if you can if you can be on the Patreon, uh, we know there is like a little bit of a cost barrier uh, to that. Um, if that is an issue uh, and something that you can't afford, reach out to Megan or to the Thereafter Pod profiles, um, we'll get you into the Discord so that you can be a part of the community there, especially since that's going to be the primary spot that I'm going to be hanging out. So, uh, Megan, where can people find you? You can find me at The Pursuing Life and all the places. Um, And I will say there's some chatter about moving our deconstruction coffee hour on Tuesday mornings to a different medium, likely either the Discord or Clubhouse. Um, and so look for that and we'll try to kind of just blast that in all the places, um, so that people can kind of know where to find that. Um, but I will say join the discord because 
as we kind of start pulling some of our content a little bit more away from Twitter, um, we'll definitely be there. And any kind of announcements about that will also be in Discord. Yeah. All right. Thanks for hanging out. That right. was super fun. Yeah. Good little Until hangout. Until next time. Until next time. All right. <laughs>